This is Alan Lazard, a.k.a. the Lizard King, a.k.a. the Komodo Dragon from the Green Bay Packers. And you're listening to Top Shelf Fantasy Podcast. We are Top Shelf Fantasy, brought to you by Corey Dows, Tom Craig Penny, and Scotty Milne. Let's get into it, baby. Right, podcast 66 top shelf fantasy uh we're just moving through the offseason here uh we got a pretty jam-packed uh look at podcast 66 but before we get into that uh instagram facebook twitter top shelf fntsy head over to the podcast uh website at topshelffantasy.com uh june 2nd uh with the boys how, how you guys doing oh we boys doing well big dynasty day Big dynasty. Huge. Big dynasty day. Too big. Yeah. Yeah, so for all the uh, listeners out there that don't know, uh, all four of us participate in a salary cap dynasty league. Um, it's ridiculously uh, complicated, uh, but majorly fun. And I traded for 101 today, so I'm pretty happy. Yeah, um, more fondly, or <laughs> fondly known as the uh, Psychopath League. Yes. <laughs> we, we are trademarking it as Psychopath League. It is just completely gone, utterly so in depth, far beyond my my wildest imaginations upon joining and creating this league, and it's exciting, but it it's become stressful. I mean, it's it's a year round commitment, and like you said, you traded what's today, June second, and we're we're still talking trades. <laughs> like, There's like four trades in our league today. Yeah, most leagues haven't even thought about their draft date yet, and we're talking trades. Yeah, well, we already got ours booked. So we're doing a weekend away up in uh, Maine and Airbnb, so. Two weeks, Where right? we should possibly, weeks. hopefully, be coming live to you guys from our draft. At least give you a, a glimpse into our war rooms on Twitter. Um, we're going to be getting it pretty serious, so we'll show you the setup we got going. If you hop on Twitter once the once the time comes, you'll get a good uh, glimpse into what exactly goes into a fourteen man dynasty league draft. Ninety <laughs> percent yeah. sure none of us are coherent. Yeah. Mm. Well, I so one of the things I was thinking is just setting up a mic right in front of the draft board and just get, like <laughs> grabbing all of the audio. Like I'll bring the mixer and everything, and we'll just hook it all up and just grab everything. Cause I think that'd be riot. Oh uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Like, I'm gonna be there bright and early on Friday, so might as well get set up and get the mixer set up going. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, we're talking rookies today, too, so I think that gets us a little juiced up as well. And I think we've talked about doing a podcast, like, breaking down how our Dynasty League kind of functions, um, because it is pretty interesting. Uh, some of the news, just real quick, big one for a rookie, Henry Ruggs. Uh, you know, he punctured a hole in his leg. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he injured his leg helping his buddy move, which is which is pretty big. He, he got... Stuck between a trailer hitch and a truck. Ish. Yeah, I'll do just, it. Like you gotta not. If you're his buddy, you gotta not ask him for his help to move. Like ask any of your friends, whose livelihood is not the physical well-being of their body. That's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> not a very good friend. <laughs> I mean, if I had an NFL buddy, I would not be asking him to help me move. I know he's probably pretty strong and pretty helpful, but I'll take the extra hour and ask one of you guys. <laughs> I mean that's kind of <laughs> it's kind of on rugs too, right? Like he just signed that he, oh, yeah. that big contract, yeah. that first round contract. Just be like, listen, dude, we're close enough. I'll oh, pay, yeah. I'll, pay him, I'll pay the five hundred bucks to have somebody. Move I hope you. he signed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if he has or not. To be honest, um, uh, it doesn't matter. It's John Gruden. He's signing him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, AB has been working out with Deion Sanders uh, for a pipe dream of returning to the NFL in two thousand twenty. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that as it goes, but I don't think we really have to talk too much. And Frank Reich, after drafting Jonathan Taylor, uh, says that he expects things from Naheem Hines this year, which to me is odd, but, uh, yeah, they, uh... they draft Jonathan Taylor. Then he talks up his third string running back. So I think that all, <laughs> I think everything's written on the wall for Marlon Mack to get out of Indy. Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, it, there's not going to be much. If, if that's his plan, Naheem Hines on third down, passing work or whatever it might be, there's not going to be enough touches for Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack to justify having both of them there. So not getting rid of the rookie on a cheap deal. So see you later, Marlon. Yeah. yeah. Disappear like Merlin. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, 
All right, with that, let's uh, let's get into some rookie ranking changes. So we haven't talked rookies in I don't know about a month or so, six a month weeks. and a half ago I think yeah. it was. Um, and we've all been again like we adjust our rankings all the time, and we've been focusing really on rookies since it's been so early in the season. We have our own dynasty league coming up, so I think we're all trying to refine our rankings as well. You know how we plan on drafting in our dynasty league. Um, our top three didn't change, so Jonathan. We still have Jonathan Taylor at number one, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at number two, DeAndre Swift at number three. Um, I'll give you guys a chance to talk about them, but I think we've kind of already said what we've felt about all of them. Um, so if nobody has anything, we'll move on to our one of our risers. Now, all right, I'm getting no head shakes here, uh, but they're CD, all good. <laughs> CD Lamb uh, previously ranked. Uh, number six is now our um, number four ranked player. He's our consensus number one wide receiver. He moved up two positions. Um, Dows, I personally think this is the guy you're looking at in our dynasty league. So why don't you talk about CD and uh, you know convince me you're not going to take him because I, I think that's going to be hard one to pass up. But so I don't disagree. It will be hard to pass up. But I've told you and everybody else in our league who has asked me repeatedly who I was taking at three. Um, if I was going to take CD lamb, probably as the first wide receiver off the board, I love the kids talent. I've never said, I don't, I don't love his situation. Um, I like Dak Prescott. I think he's down to quarterback. I think Amari Cooper takes a lot of the attention away from him and that should be helpful, but I still believe Michael Gallup is a very talented wide receiver that they've already invested a bit in. And I think that they're going to try to push him. I think CD lamb's going to be on the field quite a bit. I think that maybe you'll see a lot of three receiver sets, even four receiver sets, but I don't know if the target share is there for Dallas's offense to support three wide receivers and Zeke Elliott, who's still there looking for a big share of touches. I just don't know if there is the amount of offensive firepower to go around to make him the first receiver off the board. And I'm not saying I've decided one way or the other, but uh, it's kind of one of those you can't go wrong picking them, but you also really can because you're going to leave somebody else on the board who I think could do better. And that's our next guy. But I'll let you guys go ahead and uh, discuss him if you have any other opposing viewpoints. Maybe you could talk me into picking him. Well, I had the same, um, you know, situation going on in my head of, you know, I'm not really sure of his landing spot. However, as time has gone on, I see that he has an opposite wide receiver that's going to help him and a quarterback that, with all intents and purposes is going to sign a long-term deal with them who is a, you know, top end type quarterback in the NFL right now. So he is tied to a pretty good situation for a pretty good, you know, amount of time. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely operating under the assumption that Dak Prescott is the quarterback there. If Andy Dalton is the quarterback in Dallas, I, I don't want anything to do with him <laughs> at least this year, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know, Scotty, if you want to jump in. I, I do want to talk about CD for a minute. but Yeah, I mean, I'll go last since I want to talk about the uh, the guy that dropped one spot. Okay, all right, bit, but... go ahead. So, it might, so here's my thing with CD is uh, I think he overtakes Gallup, um, and he's going to be, you know, Dak's going to be looking his way more often than not. I think that Amari Cooper is still going to be playing the Amari Cooper Z-type role, but um, – I mean, he's the thing with CD is he can play all over the field and Dallas needs a player like that that can play everywhere. Somebody who's going to be on the field healthy and can, you know, consistently catch the ball. He's a big bodied receiver that I think you can cross up in in the middle of linebackers and he's going to catch that ball in front of the safeties and take a pop. So I think that CD Lamb's actually I actually think this is a pretty good landing spot for him. Um, but it did come at the sacrifice of dropping Judy down a spot in our consensus ranking. So, Scotty, you can talk about Judy a bit. All right. Um, again, n- no wrong pick picking CD before Judy, but um, again, I think Judy's a little better than CD. He lands in a spot where, I mean, you can kind of say he's, you know, number two there as well as CD Lamb, but I think he's a pure number two there where, where Lamb does have a gallop there. Um, he goes into an offense where they drafted a lot of wide receivers and bringing Melvin Gordon. They want to explode the offense. Biggest thing is, is Drew Locke ready to take on that role? And we really do not know yet. Um, I think that's why we consistently 
drop Judy below CD Lamb. I mean, in a lot of the dynasty leagues that I'm in, I've seen CD go before Judy every single time. But I know that Dow's likes Judy before Lamb, and he's in that spot um, in our dynasty draft to take Judy before Lamb. So, Dow's, why would you take Judy before you take Lamb? Yeah, um, I have a lot of the same uh, points as you made, like on both the affirmative agreeing side and the disagreeing side or the dissuading side from picking him. So Judy definitely, pro- oh, honestly, definitely probably that makes no sense, but probably the more NFL ready wide receiver. If you're comparing Judy to directly to lamb, I think Judy's a little bit more polished. He's a better route runner, uh, probably fairly comparable athletically, but drew lock is a huge question mark. But like you said, he's a true number two. All he has is Sutton there right now as far as the passing game goes. Well, it's Judy, and then it's Hamler who also got selected, and maybe you want to toss Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick in that conversation. But the real order is going to be Sutton-Judy. So if Sutton's blanketed, which he should be, then Judy's the next option. Right now, you compare that to Dallas, I think if Amari Cooper's blanketed, then it's a split between between Gallup and, and, and Lamb. So I'm looking for the guy who's going to come in and – Again, this comes down to your individual team. If you can wait a year to see what happens and see if that maybe Gallup doesn't stick around in Dallas all that long and then Lamb is your number two, fantastic. That's a solid pick, and I have no problem with you going with it. If you're me and you need a wide receiver on your team to come in and compete this year in order to be in a position to win any games, then you need a guy like Judy who's going to probably have the higher first-year ceiling and potentially maybe not the higher ceiling five to ten years down the road. But again, you can compare them neck and neck. I think Lamb and Judy end up having very, very similar careers. Um, I just need a guy who can come in and contribute. And that's why I'm leaning towards Judy. But I don't want to say anything is written in stone. But we'll see. I might go, I, you know, I might throw you a curveball, go T. Higgins. <laughs> well, <laughs> it'll, it'll be interesting to see where you go at the three spot. Um, <clears throat> all right. I'm going to take it quicker. The next, the next do I'm I'm bringing these two guys up together because we've been back and forth about this and we've been very split. Cam Akers uh, ranked number six. J.K. Dobbins ranked number seven. Now Cam Akers was ranked five. He dropped a spot down to six. Um, but we we've been pretty split on J.K. Dobbins or Cam Akers. Um, and we were talking about it even before the the uh, the podcast. I'm sitting here and, and, you know, Dallas, you're going to have to defend yourself on, on live air now. Um, and so aren't you, Craig. But I'm sitting here and, and Scotty's sitting here. And we're saying that J.K. Dobbins is too talented um, to be ranked number seven for us. And and you guys have differing opinions. Now, I will, I'll give you one of the reasons why I have Cam Akers and I've dropped him in my rankings. He's sloppy in his runs. It's not the highlight plays that make a running back. It's the the plays where they gain four or five yards. And when you watch Cam Akers try and go and gain four or five yards, it's sloppy, and it's it it just it doesn't it doesn't bode well for his NFL career. He had massive holes. He wasn't running off the hip of the of the offensive lineman. He never ran through square. He was always off footed. And one of the biggest problems I saw with Cam Akers is he would run inside and he would have the ball on the inside. So um, I just I just don't see the world where Akers outperforms Dobbins in the long run. Um, I know we've talked about 2020 having value as well. Um, but, Scotty, you want to go ahead and, and talk a little bit about uh, Cam Akers versus J.K. as well. Yeah, so I know that you have him at number two now. I moved up to number three, which is, I mean, pretty good spots up. I know Dow's put him back a little bit, but regardless, um, I, I'm with you. Dobbins' skill level is above Acres. He is in a phenomenal spot for years to come. They can get rid of Ingram next year. There's a reason why they took Dobbins in the second round. Uh, anyways, K-Makers on a redraft league, I think he goes first because he's going to an offense where he can – easily take over Daryl Henderson um, or Malcolm Brown, whoever it is, uh, day one, where Dobbins is going to have to compete with Ingram. Um, Gus Edwards is still there, and Lamar Jackson's a running back too, so he's still there. I think uh, for dynasty purposes, I would go Dobbins over Akers. I I, I have him pretty close, I think, but um, 
I mean, that's my comparison with the two. Acres better redraft. Dobbins is just a better skill player on a better team in the long run. Um, well, Dow's want to take a your Acres take. Yeah, for sure. So I definitely agree with you on Acres being better in a redraft league. Um, Acres, anytime you say he runs sloppy, and and maybe he does in your opinion for sure. But he averaged five yards per carry last year which is a, a very solid average per carry. And he got absolutely no blocking when you watch his, his highlights. He had he averaged 1.7 yards before contact and then still averaged five yards per carry. That's fantastic. That's showing that he's either making people miss or he's breaking through tackles, which shows some power at 5.10 and 2.15-ish. So I'm going to take that all day long, especially on the Rams offense, who's running still an inside zone scheme or, or a zone run scheme, if you will and creating a lot of space and actually blocking for the dude so he can get into space and then maybe worry a little bit about where he's holding the ball. I'm not so concerned about that. I'm concerned about his production and what he's done on the field. And he's going into a position where I think he can win the starting job over Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown day one. If that's the case, then they're going to ride him into the ground just like they did with early Todd Gurley. That's what I want to see out of a high round running back draft pick, not J.K. Dobbins, who runs behind Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson and maybe won't really contribute much, if anything, at all this year and then maybe in the future if they don't re-sign Mark Ingram, then there's just so many questions for J.K. Dobbins that I'm not comfortable spending draft capital on him this high. If I had, like, the one eight, one eight pick, 8 to 10 in that range and he dropped, I'd snag him all day long, but not 107 or earlier it's just too risky for a guy who's likely not contributing at even flex play consideration this year and then in the future is a big question mark i think cam makers this year can be rb2 and in the future can rb can be rb1 easily yep so i I mean me and does have the same uh general opinion on on uh acres and dobbins and i have i don't want to reiterate too too much but Akers has a better position on a team that is historically going to run with one running back. Baltimore is in like, this is the main point that I've been going with, with Baltimore and JK Dobbins is the fact that you do not know that Mark Ingram is not going to resign there. Why wouldn't he resign there when he has towards the end of his career, uh, a team that he's been with and has succeeded with, which is probably going to be a playoff team for years to come. Why wouldn't he resign there, even at a lesser contract than some other teams that are going to sign him? So I don't think that J.K. Dobbins is going to be able to break into the 1A role for at least three years. And so that pushes me back. Yes, will he you know, be able to get that 1A role at some point when Ingram retires? Yes. Will I also think that he's going to do much with it? No. I look at specifically elusiveness and center of gravity and i find acres to have a far and away better elusiveness and center of gravity than jk dobbins jk dobbins had a lot handed to him and like you said Corey, cam did not have a lot of holes and he was able to make a lot more out of it you may have seen tape that i haven't seen tom but that does not mean that that is the only tape of that player and that those are the only runs he's ever going to be able to produce there are different types of running backs out there and ones that will succeed better in the NFL than others. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's fair. Um, I just, I think that saying JK Dobbins doesn't have a center of gravity and versus acres like that was, that was actually one of the things that glaringly stuck out to me watching cam acres run was he just didn't ever seem like he had full control of his body when he was running um, and trying to get out into space. I'm not disagreeing with his athleticism. I think he's a phenomenal athlete. But if you go and talk to Kendall White or Kendall White or whatever his name is, the wide receiver for Tennessee, he had one of the best metrics coming out of the combine. It was known as one of the best athletes, but we never talk about him. So being athletic isn't always what you need to succeed in the NFL. Um, and we have the discussion, honestly, because I, I think there's a lot of pride that goes into our rankings, and I really want you guys to just move JK up even more. Uh, five yards of carry, honestly, in college is 
subpar. Uh, you're really how, looking how at good is, how good is 3.5 yards a carry? Uh, is bad. And that's I what Dobbins had. He had three point yards, 3.5 yards a carry last year. He had 2,000 yeah. yards. He had yep. 2,000 <laughs> exactly. yards. Exactly. Yeah, he had over 300 carries. Okay. Well, I don't shotgun bet coming up. I, I, oh, we're gonna 100%. make we're gonna make one oh, right now. A billion um, percent. All right. What do we um, make? What's the, I, what's I the shotgun bet? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We, we do need to clear this up before anyone anyone yells at us. He didn't have 3.5 yards per carry in college. He had 6.7. Yeah, I just I pulled it from his final season. It says three point five yards per. I'm looking at ESPN right now. All right, we we well, need I didn't to do the math we need to uh, pulling it off a of site. Right. Well, I, I think we spent a little too much time on the Acres Dobbins talks. Yeah, um, no, let's, well, this is this is a this is a big debate with us. Oh no, so. oh, it is, and and <laughs> and I think this is why it's going to be a big shocking bet with me and Tom versus Dows and Craig, and yeah. probably a Twitter um, poll for this. Who wants to jump on the board. specifics will be talked about later on, but um, that's a for sure bet we're going to go. Back. Yeah. So tweet at us top shelf FNTSY. Let us know which which side you land on. Um, so apologize for some background noise. I was trying to pull up a stat page real quick and some video started playing. Uh, so I closed out of the docket. So I think next we're talking about Henry Ruggs. Um, we have Justin Jefferson, uh, Jalen Rhaegar, Rhaegar Targaryen and uh, T Higgins. I believe Ruggs went up one, but Justin Jefferson jumped three spots. Um, so I'll let you guys kind of – I know I bumped him down in my rankings um, slightly behind uh, Targaryen, Tar- Targi boy. Um, so I'll let you guys talk about Justin Jefferson. Um, I guess I'll go first. I, I'm not sure who had him that far down before because um, I, I know it all changed. But, um, again, he he's – supposedly taking over the Stephon Diggs role in Minnesota. I know it's a run for his team, but they had to pass it to someone else besides Thielen and an old um, Kyler Kyler, <laughs> Kyle Rudolph. Um, with Henry Ruggs, I think we put him at one spot, um, even after his hole, hole in the leg incident. Mainly because he's the probably the widest for one there. I know it's some people might say it might affect him because the cornerbacks are going to be all over him, but you know, they got a couple guys there now. I, I think it's going to be fine. And Rhaegar Targaryen, I put up a, a little bit too. Um, I think I have him a little higher than those other two, but um, he's in Philadelphia with, with Wentz and he could easily just be the widest one there to start, which I think is, is huge for a rookie with a great quarterback. Yeah, I'll run down mine on those four as well. Uh, I don't really see the the hole in the leg for Ruggs being that much of an issue with football being four months away, but or three, sorry. But um, you know, he he is the number one. Uh, Derek Carr tying tied to him actually pushes uh, him down for me. Uh, I have Rager ahead of you know all four of these guys we're talking about. I think that he is the most athletic, best situation, and is as was excuse me very underrated going into the draft. And I think now people are starting to see what he actually was able to do in college and what he will do. Justin Jefferson is that type of guy that was probably like what AJ Brown was last year. The most talked about wide receiver that could be sneakily the best wasn't listed as the best on all the charts, but you can see has all the makings of the best wide receiver and then fell to a team that wasn't really that great as far as a position for him to succeed right away. But I think that it would be a surprise um, to some, but not to others, that Justin Jefferson ends up being one of the better receivers this year. And then the fourth one, we were talking about T. Higgins. There's a lot going on whether or not he will play number two um, if A.J. Green does not come back, which if that is the case, he's the wide receiver two, then I think great things for T. Higgins. If he's wide receiver three, definite big struggle this this first year. But down the line, T. Higgins will actually have uh, probably the number one role at, that, at some point uh, with Cincinnati. Yeah, I agree with your I agree with your T Higgins take um first and foremost especially if AJ Green sits out you'll see him climb even further up my rankings but uh Henry Ruggs first and foremost I had him climb I think four spots in my rankings I might have been a little low on him before and that's even you know despite the injury um I think he's going to be just fine it seems like he's already up and walking around even though he's on crutches so I'm not too too worried about him um <clears throat> 
he's in a tough situation, but he's going to be a focal point of the offense. So I think that's that in and of itself targets equal volume equals production is really all that matters to me in fantasy. So that's good. Justin Jefferson, he moved down in my rankings only slightly, but he had to move down just to make uh, Henry Ruggs fit where I wanted him. And he still has a net gain because of, you know, everybody else kind of coming up on him. I love his position. I love Kirk Cousins as a quarterback throwing to him. I'm I'm comfortable with Justin Jefferson across the board. Jalen Rager, the Rager Targaryen himself. Um, I think I'm I'm a huge outlier on. I'm the reason that he's being dragged down in our consensus rankings. And I don't love Philadelphia as a whole. I've seen receivers there that I've always thought were talented struggle. And it's not Carson Wentz's fault. It's not really anybody's fault. Maybe it's the coaching staff. Maybe it's the the play calling. I don't know. But receivers are struggling there to perform. I mean, we've seen burners come in like Nelson Aguilar that were supposed to light the world on fire. And then he got a case of the drops for whatever reason and his career completely fizzled out. Nobody on that team has impressed me. Maybe Greg Ward last year, and he was like a desperation play at, at wide receiver. So maybe he comes in and wows me and puts a, puts a show on. But as of now, I'm not impressed by Jalen Rager, and I don't intend to move him up at all in my rankings, no matter how high you guys put him. Yeah, I, I don't know when Aguilar had a career. To be completely honest, I don't hey, know when his career came in as Nigerian Nitrate. He had a nickname. He was ready to rock and roll. Yeah. He just oh man, um, yeah. I mean, in in Alshon's underwhelming. Uh, I I love Targi uh, Rhaegar. Um, he's he's probably one of my favorite wide receivers coming out of the draft. And I just watch what Deshaun and Carson Wentz did in their first game together. And go if Carson Wentz actually had a wide receiver in that was a legitimate NFL ready wide receiver, he could be filthy, and I think that's what we could see in the future. Um, but those four wide receivers, I think, kind of get lumped together. Um, to me, Je- Jefferson and Rhaegar, and in, in really in our consensus, um, are, are very close. Um, in in rugs takes a, a leap above them. Um, so we can move on now to 12 through, I don't know, uh, a handful. Uh, but we got Burrow, Pittman, Ayuk, uh, Tagaviola, Mims, um, Lavishka, Chenault. Um, nice I, job on that one. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah you screwed up Tagaviola, but Chenault, you got you, it. Yeah, you, I didn't You, do you that just say Tua. No one's going to blame you if you say Tua. So Burrow drops four for us. Um, and I'm going to try and move through a couple of these quickly, um, but he's sure. quarterback. So I, I think that makes sense. Pittman jr. Jumps up two spots. Uh, he was, uh, in, in, he jumped over, uh, Ayuk and Tua. Um, then we have Denzel Mims who, who jumps up four spots. So I, I really wanted to talk about Denzel Mims and, uh, Lavishka Chenault. Um, Denzel jumps up four. Lavishka jumps up two. These are two guys that you're looking at you know, uh, beginning of the second round, mid second round is wide receivers. Um, and I think the opportunity for both of them, though, I, I hate Jacksonville as a landing spot spot for a Chenault. Um, I think Mims has an opportunity in the jets to do something and Chenault. I mean, that it's been an underwhelming, um, wide receiver core for Jacksonville. So he's, it, it's, it's basically a shot in the dark, I feel like. Um, but he probably comes in as one of the, the more talented wide receivers. So I know you guys obviously had some hand in moving these guys up as well. And Craig, I know you're big on Mims. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, no, I don't think I actually moved Mims much in my rankings. I think I've had him here for quite a while and it's more or less because I've, I, I had to sit down and watch the tape on all these, um, you know, middle tier uh wide receivers in this past draft just because of you know our dynasty league draft coming up i wanted to know where i could get to or what i could do to try and get some of these wide receivers as my team needs one um mims was the athletic aggressive wide receiver that i felt that had raw talent and and major upside and i can see that being someone that you know really does produce down the line let's not forget sam Darnold was talked about as the best quarterback going into his draft class prior to baker mayfield coming out of nowhere and being drafted by cleveland browns because that's what the cleveland browns do they take someone out of nowhere um sam Darnold is a good quarterback unfortunately they have a tough you know quarter uh, coach right now to you know show progression with all their fantasy players or, or their team as a whole um, but that's why I love Mims as much as I do. And, and I couldn't agree more about Chenault. 
I think he's a talented receiver, but that that draft spot, that landing spot, is just too tough for me to get on board with, uh, especially for the coming years. I mean, realistically, yeah, we all love Gardner Minshew, but how long is he going to be the quarterback there for? We love Minshew for the memes, though. <laughs> right. And the stash. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I guess I'll go now. I have not too much to say about uh, these guys, but um, Mims, I think I kept him in the same spot where I had him before. Um, Lavishka, I moved up mainly because of the opportunity. Um, same with Tom. I don't love the landing spot, but um, he could he, he could pass a injury-prone D.D. Westbrook um, midseason or even early season. Um, I know they're in rebuilding mode, so maybe that kind of helps them. They, they're going to want to see what they have with a kid um, going forward, so I think that actually does help him out. Um, Tua and Burrow went down, I think, just because they're quarterbacks. We see how talented these receivers are in, in a dynasty draft. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Daz, you got anything? No, you guys pretty much hammered all my okay. points on uh, on everybody, so I'm I'm good. All right, cool. So um, after that, starting at rank 18, uh, now we have Keyshawn Vaughn. He dropped a spot. Uh, Justin Herbert at 19, he dropped three spots. Chase Claypool dropped a couple spots. Um, ranked number 21, and we were talking about this guy a little bit before, was uh, Antonio Gibson. Uh, Zach Moss drops a spot. A.J. Dillon drops a spot. And then rounding out our, our top 24 now in June is Brian Edwards, who actually moved up three spots. Um, I'll, I'll let you guys decide who you want to talk about as we kind of round this out. I will say one thing about Brian Edwards is he's a very big bodied raw wide receiver coming out of Ole Miss. Big, big boy. And I think if, if, um, I can't think of the head coach there because he's pretty forgettable. Um, but if he can figure out how to harness that, that talent, I think that, uh, he could be a sneaky, uh, pick in, in dynasty. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about Gruden. I, that, I really <laughs> thought you were joking. He's, I mean, his he's coaching. Probably, he's probably the most known coach in the league. His coaching style the last couple of years has been very unforgettable. All right. Um, but I'll let you guys go ahead and pick a player as we round out our, our top 24 in here in June. All right, I'll just jump in that way. I, uh, you know, get mine out of the way as well. But Antonio Gibson was the one you had highlighted. I think that there is major things coming for him. We did joke about who is there on their running back depth chart, and he's listed there. He could be a wide receiver. He could be a running back. There's a ton of injured uh, running backs on that team. Who knows what he's going to play out as? Very well, could be a quarter L. Patterson from Chicago. Very well, could not be anything. Um, and then we have Jace Claypool is another big body guy that I wanted to uh, look into uh, over in Pittsburgh. I think that that's a, a good good landing spot for him. And Keyshawn Vaughn, I feel like, is dropping and will drop more as more news comes out about possibly Tampa Bay signing another running back. Yeah, uh, Tom, can you answer that phone, please? It's Dave's Above Ground Pools. <laughs> Shout out to Dave's Above Ground Pools. I've called you at a normal time. <laughs> Four times in the not past three days, and now he calls me at nine thirty twice. I gotta like, put him on do not start disturb. Business is nine thirty p.m. That's when I like to call oh, my clients as well. God yeah. damn it, right, Dave's um, uh, above <laughs> ground. I you what I'm doing right now is getting text from clients. <laughs> right, Sorry, I'll, I'll go through these guys. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> freaking pool companies these days. Uh, <laughs> again, uh, Justin Herbert dropped three spots. Again, it's a quarterback, so we've kind of push those guys down we kind of got more realistic with those uh wide receivers coming up um surprise zach moss dropped i know uh dow's was pretty high in the guy coming in but only a spot so he he's at that end of the second round early third round um uh, same with aj Dillon, which is completely fine i love chase claypool don't love him this year just because of all the receivers on that team plus an eric ebron added to the depth chart Dynasty, I, I love the guy as a, as a mid-second round pick. Um, what, what Craig said with Keyshawn Vaughn, with those rumors coming out, they're looking at, at Freeman and even McCoy still out there. They're still looking, so you can tell that you know they're not settled with Keyshawn Vaughn. It's more of a safety net thing. If he is the guy, fantastic. But right now, it, it's kind of hesitant. Uh, Dows? Yeah, um, I want to talk about Chase Claypool, too. Just I think I've mentioned it before. I love drafting wide receivers that 
Pittsburgh select. They have done a fantastic job throughout the past several years drafting wide receivers, even if they've been lunatics like, uh, you know, AB or guys who couldn't stay on the field like Martavis Bryant, but guys who were actually fantastic wide receivers. Maybe they're not the best character judges, but they draft wide receivers who can straight up ball out. So that gives me faith that Chase Claypool at his size, speed, and dimensions can be an impact player probably maybe maybe the first year but definitely down the road for them um and that that really hinges on ben roethlisberger sticking around if he ends up not playing or playing in a limited role or retiring in a couple years claypool takes a hit unless they replace him with somebody else but cam (laughs) yeah cam would be a solid a solid pickup for them um besides that aj Dillon, i think is probably going to replace Jamal Williams, which isn't even really worth talking about. Aaron Jones is still the guy there. Maybe AJ Dillon vultures a couple touchdowns. Uh, But my real guy, and you mentioned already is Zach Moss. I think he's a true one, a one B with Devin Singletary. Uh, I don't think he's going to take the job from him fully. I just think you're going to see like a true 50, 50 ish split. Singletary will do most of the pass catching. Moss will do most of the short yardage, you know, between the tackles work. He has the body type to do it. He, He really has the body type to replace Frank Gore seamlessly. So they're going to ask him to come in and run about as well as a 400-year-old running back, and he th- think he can do that job. I think he's going to really impress in that in that role. So uh, Zach Moss is one that I have kind of sneakily creeping up my board. I don't think he has the upside to go super, super high, where he's sitting around right now in that twenty low 20s range is probably good for him. But he's a guy that could return you some dividends if – if he ends up working out well or if Singletary picks up an injury, he's a guy that'll carry a load for you if you ask him to. Yeah, I think I actually am really interested <clears throat> to see the uh, camp battle between Singletary and Moss. Um, <clears throat> but that that rounds out our top 24 rookies. Um, again, we, we re-ranked in June. Uh, we may end up doing the same thing again in July, re-ranking them and looking at uh, risers and fallers. But I think our attention is going to start leaning towards uh, redraft leagues, and, and we're going to start incorporating some of the experienced veterans uh, into the ranking. So without a further ado, we get into early sleepers and early dart throws. Um, <laughs> hey, we have a soundboard now. <laughs> yeah, I know, but we're not all in one room, so it's very it's difficult for me to no. use it. <laughs> It's really hard to use it when it. I have everybody in different channels and stuff. And and how did a dart sound like a gun? I don't know. Just don't question it. it. it okay. It, it just does. <laughs> um, Craig, why don't you take your uh, early sleeper first? And, and, uh, and just just to preface this, we, we none of us know who's each other's sleepers or dart throws are except for Daz because he put them in the in this sheet. Um, yeah, so so this is all going to be news to us. So right. I'll let this, Craig this is this is um, also early where I feel like th- I haven't heard much traction on the guy that I'm going to talk about, but very well, he could gain traction and could end up being like, a, oh, maybe he's a breakout. We'll put out those towards the uh, beginning part of draft season. Um, but so my early sleeper to look out for going through the summer is Darius Slayton. Um, he is a wide receiver for the New York Giants. And I think that with a lot of moving parts around the NFL, uh, the Giants really remain the same. And I was kind of hard on Daniel Jones last year. And so I kind of focused in a little bit of, you know, why was I? And as it turns out, he can pass a little farther than 20 yards uh, than I than I originally thought. Uh, Darius Slayton averaged 15 yards per reception last season, which puts himself into the top 20 category for wide receivers. Uh, and with another returning underneath receiver uh, in Evan Ingram this year, since he was out last year, I can see a little bit more room. Uh, for growth with the safety coming over onto Ingram and then Darius Slayton getting a little bit more open down the field. Uh, Last year, he had over 700 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. As a rookie, that's phenomenal, really, uh, when you talk about touchdowns. And um, if he can haul in a little bit more uh, targets, you know, he he did not have the greatest, um, you know, target rate. I guess it is, uh, you know, 48 catches on 83 targets. It's not fantastic, but if he can hone that in, get open a little bit more, create some more separation, keep that touchdown range. I think you're seeing a guy that with his average draft position right now in the 10th round, he's listed as 125. 
he could really return you low end wide receiver two production, maybe even mid mid wide receiver two production, you know, get himself in that thousand yards, 10 touchdown range. Like that's, that's what you would definitely want out of a round 10 pick. So uh, that would be my early sleeper this year. And Craig hit his dart throw last year, which was DJ shark. So there might Don't be, worry, some, there might be something into throw. that. All right. Well, I can't wait. Um, we can just we can just go down the, the the Google line here for me. So Scott, why don't you take your uh, early sleeper? Uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, Craig, um, that's a fantastic pick. I was actually looking at that guy too. Um, if there's a guy that comes out of the Giants, I would bet Tate or Slayton. But healthy wise, Slayton all day. He he had a fantastic end of the season. Um, I mean, my sleeper is kind of obvious. I I had to pick him. Um, the Komodo Dragon, the Lizard King, the Alan Lazard of the league, um, top shelf fantasy um, fan, expert, lover. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, put his, I'll put his intro into this one. You're that? going to, yes. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about this guy since last season. He came in, he, he came in after a few injuries um, when MVS didn't work out, when Geronimo Allison didn't work out, Kumaru didn't work out. He finally came in. He had games. I mean, week thirteen, 103 yards, a touchdown. Um, last week of the season, 69 yards on four receptions, a touchdown. I mean, this guy got peppered with targets at the end of the season. Um, another off season, hopefully with Rodgers. They didn't draft anyone. They got rid of Jimmy Graham. I mean, it's all written for him. I know it might not be true, but I mean. As of right now, he's a number two in Green Bay with an injury-prone Devontae Adams from last season. I think he has a rapport with with Rodgers, and I'm not sure what his ADP is now. I didn't look that up, but I would think it's 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 around Slayton, maybe after that, um, double-digit rounds. So if you can get this guy as a wide receiver five, um, I think he's a great flex play wide receiver three for the season. Ah, I love Lazard. Um my so my sleeper is uh Brita who honestly it, I, I kind of feel like it's a cop out because I think as we start approaching August and September this is not going to be a sleeper but that's why we're doing them early is because we want to get them onto your draft boards we talk about going into a draft and and creating your own draft board uh and I certainly think that Brita should be on there uh right now his ADP is 811 um, and that's per fantasy football calculator, which they pull in a bunch of different uh, resources and platforms that do mock drafts. Uh, so right now he's going in the back of the eighth round. Um, I currently have him ranked as my 25th running back. Uh, and there's a lot of reason, I think, to believe that Brita is going to be the, the 1A for Miami. Um, Jordan Howard's one-dimensional. Over the last two years, Brita has uh, averaged five yards per carry. Um, and I just think that he adds a, a, a layer of, um, you know, dynamic, uh, dynamicism. That's not a word, but you know what I mean? Um, to that Dynamic, offense. Dynamicism is a word. Is it? Yeah. You just can't say it. No, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on. Um, <laughs> this is why you're on uh, top shelf, right? <laughs> um, no, just kidding. But. But seriously, I think that I think that Brita adds a, a level of complexity to the Miami game that Jordan Howard doesn't. Um, now, Brita, you know, three years ago he was a rookie, and I went back and looked at all of his scores, and they're actually very, very impressive. So he ran a four-four. He was in 99th percentile in burst score. This is coming from Player Profile. 99th percentile in burst score. 89th percentile in spark score. I mean, these metrics, when you look at what he did at the Combine, you would be shocked that he was an undrafted free agent. So you're looking at a guy who went undrafted and has clawed his way from the bottom of a crowded San Francisco backfield to being what I predicted, the the potential 1A in, in Miami. Um, and the one thing about Brita that I've always loved is that he's available. He's He plays through injuries. He's on the team. He's there game day. And that's one of the most important things. So him being available to his team, um, and he's certainly going to be available, uh, you know, in, in your in your later rounds. Uh, again, his ADP is 8-11. Uh, and I think he can end up cracking into that RB2 
volume. And I think if you can find yourself an RB two in in the back around eight, you know that's 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 the definition of sleeper in my opinion. Um, but again, I think as we approach August and September, uh, Breed is probably going to be on everybody's charts. In uh, in you know again all purpose yards. Uh, he's, he's not going to have, you know, 12 touchdown totals, but you know, he could do a James White on you and give you 1100 all purpose yards for 50 catches or so. And a handful of touchdowns and, and you find yourself a nice little back in the, in the back of the, uh, in the back of the draft. So I'll let, I'll let Dows take his early sleeper and we'll move into yeah, the Yeah. My early sleeper is Teddy Bridgewater. Um, probably the oldest sleeper on the board, if I had to guess. <laughs> Uh, he's looking for a career resurgence. Um, I don't know. I kind of want to stick with quarterbacks. I know I said Tannehill would be the breakout last year and nailed that. Uh, so want to you know stay hot with uh, another career guy, uh, a guy that I loved in Minnesota. Uh, obviously had the broken leg, whatever it was, almost lost it and kind of got a raw deal ever since then. And I pulled some stats out just kind of to kind of compare his last season as a full time starter in Minnesota to right now what maybe he can do in Carolina in his new landing spot with, you know, the entire team behind him and supporting him. The last time he played a full season in Minnesota, he was selected to the pro bowl. He's got more weapons here in Carolina, Carolina than he did in Minnesota that year. That was Stefan Diggs' rookie year. I believe maybe his second year in the league. Uh, he had Kyle Rudolph and then he had Mike Wallace, who was about 195 years old. So that is right off the bat, more weapons with uh, DJ Moore Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, Ian Thomas, Christian McCaffrey also catching the ball out of the backfield. Now, obviously, he did have Adrian Peterson, who is an all-world running back in Minnesota when he's playing there. But that year, he threw for 3,231 yards, 14 touchdowns on 292 of 447 passing, which is 65.3%. Nowadays, people are looking at like 600-plus passing attempts. That right there, that increase in just the standard volume of a passer in the NFL bodes well for um, Teddy Bridgewater to have a very, very successful season. On top of that, he does do a little bit with his legs, though I do expect him to not do so much anymore given the injury history and probably not wanting to risk anything uh, going forward. And then you're going to say to me, hey, Corey, well, how about uh, the running game? He's got Christian McCaffrey eating up a ton of those touches, right? He's not going to be able to throw the ball 600 times a year. Well, last year, Christian McCaffrey had 287 rushes. He had more receptions as well, but receptions are great for Teddy. Adrian Peterson in 2000, whatever the year, I think it was 2015, had 327 rushes. So I'm not worried about the runs that McCaffrey's taking away from him, and I'm actually very, very happy that he's going to have a fantastic pass-catching back coming out the backfield this year. I think everything in the world is set up for Teddy to succeed this year and play at a very, very high level. And I think he's going to be easily in QB one consideration. And I think I'd put him as, as high as my top eight quarterbacks in the league this year. All right. So All right. I'm well, trying to catch up on our dynasty trades. They're just wild. Yeah, there was, I don't there was understand them. We'll talk later. This is ridiculous. I don't there, get it. <laughs> there's been three in the last hour, and we're trying to keep, keep a straight face. And it's so hard to keep a straight face. <laughs> Some of these are awful. Awesome. <laughs> big dynasty day out of nowhere. Yeah, big dynasty hour. Um, anyways, do you want to... All right, Tom, do you want to start with yours? or? Sure, sure. I'll take my dart throw. Um, so... I kind of hate it because it's not a wide receiver or a running back. Um, but Dalton Keene is my dart throw of the year. And the reason I'm labeling him a dart throw is because I think in the 14th round, 15th round of your drafts, you draft yourself Dalton Keene and see what happens. That's all it is. You just see what happens. Um, he's He's an athletic guy that I think fits the Patriots build. I loved the pick. When the Pats took him, he's 6'4", 253, but he runs like he's 6'1", 220. Uh, 81st percentile in Spark, um, which if you're not aware, the Spark score is really an intelligence score. Uh, so it's a decent uh, measure there. His breakout age, so this all comes from Player Profiler, uh, but 71st uh, percentile in breakout age. So he's uh, his breakout age basically is what age he was when he took 20% of the offense's production for a tight end to take 20% of your offense's production is wild to me. 
Uh, and that's that's what he ended up doing in 2019, uh, where he had an 81% catch rate. Uh, he caught five TDs um, on 21 catches. I mean, the sample size is limited uh, from a film perspective for Dalton Keene, but I think what he does fits that tight end slash slot role slash fullback slash whatever you want. I think that Dalton Keene has the ability to fit into the Pats offense pretty well. Uh, and again, chuck a, chuck a dart in the 15th round, see what happens. If he pans out, then great. If not, you spend a 15th round pick who you're going to cut anyway. Scotty. All right. Uh, my early dart throw is Jalen Hurd of the 49ers. Um, this guy missed the entire 2019 season as a rookie. Um, I believe he was a third-round pick from them, drafted after Debo. But um, he was the best receiver in camp that year. Um, I mean, better than Pettis, but that, that's not saying much. He caught in his senior season at Baylor 69 balls, which is, I mean, that's eye-opening for uh, <laughs> 946 yards and four touchdowns. So um, he, him coming into last year before he got hurt, um, he was rising up those, those rookie draft boards. And then right when he got hurt, missed the season, really no one really knew his name. Um, he's 6'4", 6'5". Yeah, he's 6'4". He's a big body guy, which the Niners do need. And I think he could. I mean, he's got to compete with with Ayuk, Debo, Samuel. But after that, I think he can surpass Kendrick Bourne. He's probably already surpassed Pettis in a way. Um, so again, it's a dart throw. If it doesn't work out, you know, don't blame me. Don't shoot me. If if it does, <laughs> go me. So um, yeah, yeah exactly. Jalen Hurd is my early dart, dart throw of the year. Well, all right. Actually, Dows, you can go before me. All righty. I, for my dart throw, took the very well-known Jermichael Hasty, uh, 49ers running back recently, somewhat recently picked up. He was picked up the same day that they sent Matt Breida to Miami. Um, if you watch the tape on this guy, it's insane how talented he is now he only played at baylor it's not like he was playing against lsu on a weekly basis but he averaged 5.8 yards per carry a senior season and he runs so heavily and aggressively and almost reminds you of zach moss who i'm also very enamored with at 58 205 but he's got a lot more breakaway speed and a little bit more i call it a shimmy to his game he's kind of elusive but not so much but just enough to make somebody miss he also catches the ball well he runs nice routes out of the backfield if you go down like a youtube rabbit hole of jamichael hasty you're gonna be so impressed and kind of curious how he fell that far but i compared him to a a, a young Devonte freeman and i think that's a dead-on comparison if you go watch some of his tape now you take that and you put it on the 49ers and you say well he's still behind you know Mostert, tevin coleman I don't know if they got anybody else there still. McCann. Uh, yeah, McCannon, who who knows what's going to happen with him, if he still even has a leg. But it's a stacked running back backfield, and I'm not thinking he's going to break out. But Tevin Coleman, with an ankle issue that he gets about once every four or five games, misses a little bit of time. Jermichael comes in, you know, shows a little bit. It's a decent dart throw pick. Love it. All right, so I will um, give my uh, runner-up before um i give my guy and that was um jalen hurd so scotty that is too funny (laughs) i craig i knew that you were gonna pick him (laughs) for some reason i i just knew that that might be your guy so he's he is on one of my lists but that was my 2019 list and i'm going with a guy on my 2018 list and it is a guy who is one of three guys on this list and the first one that hit was Cortland Sutton. The second one that hit was DJ Shark. So I'm going for the trifecta, and I'm hoping this list completes itself, and that Equinemius St. Brown is the dart throw for this year. He was a big-bodied receiver that ran a 4-4 at the Combine, very athletic, very raw, and was able to go up and get the ball at the point of the ball. Um, he came from Notre Dame, which had a lot of shaky quarterback play. Deshaun Kaiser was the quarterback, so he wasn't exactly very well known. 
However, he was drafted by Green Bay the same year they drafted three other players. Alan Lazard, who, front of the program, Mar- Marquez Valdez-Gandling, and then Jamon Moore, I believe it was. And now MVS has kind of seen a backseat to Lazard, and Green Bay has not added another wide receiver option. So they have Devontae Adams. They lost Jimmy Graham. They have Alan Lazard. Realistically, right now, well, who is the number two receiver? And then what I believe is to be the number three is Equinemius St. Brown with him not playing last year on a high ankle sprain, which we all know is about a four to six week injury. Having him kind of redshirt again gives him the extra ability to sit back, learn, and hopefully be able to continue, or I shouldn't say continue, but get into a role where he will be able to produce an athletic body can produce and he's just one of those players that you know if, if he hits he could be one of those takeoff kind of wider receivers that you that you look at later on and that's kind of the same mold uh, mold that i use for both sutton and shark so i'm kind of staking a little bit of my reputation on it but i think esb is going to be be a pretty good play this year i i love that and it's a guy that you can get in the 14th and 15th round, right? So if he doesn't hit, which we do, we really don't expect most of this stuff to hit like crazy, but you didn't spend that much. And if you did, like you're rewarded heavily because what was, what was Craig, what was Sharks ADP last year? It was wildly was, low. Last I don't even know if he was drafted. Round, 15th round, mo- most of the time, you know, he was drafted, um, but there was plenty of, you know, places he wasn't. Yeah, I, I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll put Equian name is St. Brown on my, uh, I, I murdered his name anyway, but I'll put him on my draft board. Is he a free agent in Dynasty? I'll pick him up. Um, all right. I got hometown discount on him. <laughs> oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So that's going to wrap up uh, Podcast 66. Uh, so we get some sleepers in there, talk some rookies, talked a couple uh, dart throws. Um, we have, what do we have coming up? Corey, are we, are we, are we doing the intro to fantasy football? We're ready to do that. I know you called me out on one of the lines, so. Yeah, for sure. I got you in, uh, I want you to talk about tears a bit, but, um, we'll we'll do that next time for you or maybe, maybe a couple down the line, but we, we got it coming. You guys should dive in, take a look, just see what I got put together there. But, um, we'll have a big, I don't know what to call it, but a big, um, I don't know, reversion to day one, just to say, you know, we talk about fantasy football on a very, very high level, and we do it all day, pretty much every day, whether it's talking trades or we're talking about various new rules for our league. And I mean, we're in this in the weeds, 365. A lot of people aren't like that. Maybe a lot of people are just getting into it. Maybe people haven't done fantasy football leagues before. This podcast is going to be for you. We want you to get on the same page as everybody else. Know what we're talking about when we're talking about running back tiers. Know what I mean when I say a quarterback wide receiver stack. We'll get into it in a lot more in depth for you and give you people that are just really getting into fantasy football for the first time. Maybe the uh, the crash course that we all wish we had didn't have to learn by the trials and tribulations of losing a couple of years. You know, those three, four win seasons when you just got eviscerated by your friends because that's what fantasy football is about. Listen, is emasculating your friends for bragging rights. I'll, I'll tell you one thing too. I will never forget when we first started playing uh, fantasy football, and this was before the the iPhone. It was like O two or whatever, and we learned that Frank Gore, like it was a mad rush, Scotty. I don't know if you remember a mad rush down to our drafting room to see who could get to a computer first to pick up Frank oh, yeah. Gore. That's how long we've been playing. And Frank Gore still in the friggin' league. <laughs> it was it was wild. Whoever had the computer class in the next period, which is me and Tom, had just book it to there. The first one to get there, I got Frank Gore. It was just wild, yeah. absolutely wild. Yeah, um, so we'll, we'll give you all like a, a nice, kind of high level, but also somewhat in depth overview of all the terms that you might need to know and be familiar with. It'll be a good one for the beginners, and also a good refresher, maybe you learn a little bit. We'll also probably end up diving into some fantasy football philosophies as well. So it's not like it's just for beginners. We're going to go into some high level stuff, but um, can, we, can we also introduce our vampire league on that? 
Yes, one hundred percent. We should give the uh, the Vampire League. I don't know that I understand the Vampire League all that much, so we'll have to chat about that first. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, we have this idea for a Vampire Listener League that uh, that will will work out as well. Um, Yeah. Beyond that, I think we've got um, divisional previews at some point coming at you. Yeah. Hopefully soon. Then I know we talked about doing something else. I'm just uh, spacing on it. Oh, well, we, we wanted gonna... to give them the full the full overview of our dynasty league since we kind of reference it on a near daily basis at this point. Yeah, I think at some point we'll we'll have that. And sorry to keep cutting you off, Craig, but that that might even be worth its own. Yeah, piece. No, that's of what this. I was gonna say. That should that that could be one of its own. We'll do the fantasy intro and then bang, power hour. Yeah, well, yeah. in the power in the hour, big one yeah. podcast sixty nine. Coming at you live. <laughs> oh my god, come, dude! Dows is always dude, like coming at you live. We could make, and we're always recorded. We've never actually been recorded. live. <laughs> um, all right. Well, why don't we close this one out? Um, so we'll we'll close this one out. We got a lot of stuff coming for you. Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Top Shelf FNTSY. Remember, there was a side bet in the middle of the podcast. If you can go and find it. If you can tweet at us what side you take, you win free Top Shelf merch without us mentioning it. Um, head to our website at topshelffantasy.com. Uh, and with that, that is Podcast 66. Thank you for listening. This is Top Shelf Fantasy. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Top Shelf FNTSY. Head over to our website at topshelffantasy.com. Stay fluid, stay loose.